Hey everybody, welcome to episode 158 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam Brennan, and of course, I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, Mr. Dave Hogue. What's up, dude? Hello there. Hello. So yeah, here we are. You doing all right? You don't sound thrilled. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm doing quite well. Sunday was Palm Sunday, Good Friday, this Friday, then Easter. And I would say that the whole um, stay-at-home order has made that a little bit weird. Uh-huh. Like, I don't, feel, I don't feel like it's Easter. And I think it's because I usually rely on my church experience to be aware of that. You're not, uh, you're not in your lectionary every day, Dave? No. Unfortunately, I'm not. Yeah, I have one, and I'm not in it. <laughs> Growing up in non-denominational church, right? We don't really mm-hmm. do liturgy. So I was totally oblivious to, like, the concept of a church calendar and, like, what that actually means. And, like, oh, this is Pentecost, and this is the 11th Sunday <laughs> after Epiphany, and this is St. James Day. All of these different titles for all of these different events uh, throughout the church year. And I, and like there's readings for each of them and I was just oblivious. And so I came across the, um, the book of common prayer a couple of years ago, which, you know, has all of that stuff in it, but it also mm-hmm. has like prayers for funerals and weddings and like all sorts of, uh, you know, different things. And it's, it's really uh, interesting to me to start to learn more about church liturgy and like all of the, more like ritualistic or uh i mean like liturgical right that's the word uh, uh aspects and proceedings that i just grew up knowing nothing about it's like this whole yeah. other world i'm like well I feel like it's weird that i'm a christian and and know the bible but i i, I don't know what any of this stuff is <laughs> <laughs> it is just it's so foreign to me yeah I knew the creeds, never said, never read them in church. The only reason I knew about like the apostles creed and all that sort of stuff was from college. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting to me that I could spend my whole life in church and be completely oblivious. I mean, just straight up ignorant to this whole millennia long lineage of how things are done. Right. Which is gotta be one of the most arrogant ways to do church. Right. <laughs> oh, we're we're just gonna do it. We're gonna be seeker friendly. We're gonna do it. Yeah. We're gonna do it our way. We're gonna have drums and loud music, and we're gonna go online. I know this is not a novel concept to most people. Most people, I would assume, are aware of these things, but it's it's been an interesting journey for me over the past few years to learn more about this stuff. Try to get more exposed to that side of things because I think it's pretty powerful. Some of it can be. Yep, I would agree. So we are going to continue on in chapter two of James. And I think this is probably one of the more famous sections of this book, I would say. Mm-hmm. But it's a decent chunk. I think it's 13 verses long. So Dave, will, uh, will you do the honors and we can get to the, uh, get to the chit-chat? Yeah, so we'll start in the... 14th verse, chapter 2 of James, and we'll go all the way to the end of chapter 2. 
What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Man, this is so good, Dave. Mm, I know. We landed on a good one. Yeah. I think I've mentioned this before uh, in previous episodes, but like James makes me laugh. When I read this book. Oh, yeah. Go in peace. Be warmed and filled. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Mm -hmm. He's kind of a jerk and I kind of like it. Like he's sure he mocks people and I'm a fan. Uh, I don't know what that says about me. (laughs) I just I appreciate how blunt he is even from the beginning of this pastor, right? What good is it if someone says they have faith but doesn't have works? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a rhetorical question, right? He's, he's making a point. It isn't good. It's useless. He goes yeah. on to say it's dead, in fact. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. I've never understood when people take this passage and try to make it about salvation. We're not talking about salvation anywhere in this passage. Hmm. Right. We're talking about justification, which now that I think Mm -hmm. about it might be the same thing as salvation. It's been a while since I've used big Bible words, Dave. I may have to walk back what I just said. The argument that I've always heard in the past that didn't make sense to me I can reiterate what I was trying to say is this concept that people will use this passage to argue that you can earn your salvation. Mm -hmm. If I just work hard enough, then I'll be saved. And I've never understood how they got that from this because this is never, he never, James never, I should say, talks about works here without also there being faith. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, they're always together when he's talking about doing work, working out of the faith, right? But it's when faith is by itself that it's dead. So 
I really stumbled through that one, so I apologize. Did that make any sense, what I was trying to say? Yeah, and, you know, for me, it's, I, you know, I, I guess I've never had that. And again, it's, we, we have 200 years of history and, and what, 200, did I just say 200? It's okay, we'll add a zero. <laughs> 2,000 years. You know, to me, it's, it, it truly is, um, I guess I personally have never had that hang up that it appears to be such a, a common theme, particularly in, in Paul's letters of just that, um, I mean, we cannot earn our salvation. We can't. Uh, there's nothing that we can do to be saved. We're completely dependent on God and his grace. The reality is, though, is if you have faith, there's going to be uh, manifestations of our faith. It's just a, it, it goes hand in hand that if I believe God and I believe his promises, then my actions are going to be uh, consistent with that. And so um, to me, I guess I just have never really thought about this idea of I'm going to earn my salvation uh, through my works, but that if I truly believe what I believe, then my Put your money where your mouth is, and your your actions are going to be consistent with what you believe. So yeah, what you said made made sense to me, and I think there's there was certainly a underlying idea that you can earn your salvation by being good, by doing all the right things, and certainly I think there are churches that do that today. That it's about doing the right thing and you know earning my salvation and all that. That's I don't know. They're not, they're not one in the same to me. So, yeah. So about the part you were, you were talking about the actions kind of matching up the beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. Could you imagine, and I know it probably has happened and will continue to happen, but someone actually saying to somebody else, go in peace, be warmed and filled, but not give them. It's, it's a ludicrous concept, right? To think that you mm-hmm. would, as, you know, in our context, a church or specific, specifically a Christian, see someone in need who comes and asks you for help, and then instead of giving them food and clothing that they need, you just say, be filled and warmed, and like you shut the door in their face. Like it's, it's, like it's a ludicrous example on purpose, but I know for a fact it happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to understand that, right? Because when you read it, you're like, oh, well, that's no one would say that. That's a stupid thing to say. Who who would react and say, "Take care, then. Bye bye now. Have a good day," mm-hmm. and and not do the right thing. And I mean, that's the point, right? James is he's making a ludicrous example to make a point, right? So mm-hmm. also, faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. And to your point, and the whole reason I, I came back to this part, right, is you were talking about actions have to match what we believe. And that's something we talked about last episode, right? And how frustrated I get when my actions don't match what I believe. And so as much as I'm disgusted at anyone who would do this, I know if I look at my life, I can find examples that look like this, where I say one thing, but my actions would lead you to believe otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. Part of my frustration is that I know I'm guilty of doing this in some way. 
having faith, but then not letting, not having the works that would articulate that faith or exemplify it or illustrate it or, you know, implement it rather, right? Mm -hmm. That's, I think, one of the reasons why I'm struggling with English in thinking right now is like I'm trying to process a lot of that sort of thinking and frustration, right? And so I'm I'm having some inner turmoil, David. <laughs> Which I suppose is kind of what the Bible's good at. Yes. So, all right, so moving on, it says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. <laughs> Another golf clap, right? Uh, yep. Even the demons believe in shudder. I don't know that this is still such the case, but that whole you believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe in shudder. This to me just really kind of comes back to that whole, you know, if you pray the prayer to accept Jesus and then you're like, good. You know, okay, I prayed, I believe that, you know, Jesus loves me and is my friend and... It's like, yeah, belief in and of itself doesn't mean anything. There's, there, there are just some truths that exist. And so, you know, James is like, yeah, okay, <laughs> you believe God is one, you know. In essence, I think he's even saying, you know, you believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Well, guess what? The demons do too, and that is not salvation. Mm-hmm. Believing something that is true to be true does not. And again, I, I think part of that what what I've experienced in my life is it's a way that people comfort themselves when somebody dies and maybe they haven't exactly led a Christian life, but they come back to, oh, you remember in fifth grade, he prayed the prayer to accept Jesus? Well, I'm sure he's in heaven. And I hate to be so callous and kind of blunt about this, but I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's true. I think there is that element here of how that's applicable today of just, you know, believing the right thing. There needs to be a life that's consistent with that. And, you know, I think we had this discussion too already about, you know, Abraham. It's not like you you look at his life and go, oh, wow, he did that well. You know, he consistently... (laughs) He consistently was kind of a screw up. I mean, both him and Sarah, Sarai and Abram, you know, you look at, you go, you read about their story in Genesis and God clearly is choosing Abram and making a promise with him. And in the moment he does the right thing in terms of, you know, willing to sacrifice Isaac. But as we've discussed before, he still kind of, try to take things into his own hands and make it happen. Not faulting the guy, because I don't think I would have done any better than him. He did more than take it into his own hands. He took it into his own bed. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and his wife encouraged him to do that. I mean, it was... Messed up, man. It it was messed up. And so so that's, I think that's even the other part of this for me too, is, is that, while he is held up as, you know, this person of faith, if you really want to start picking it apart, then he falls short in places. But when he feels like God gave him, you know, looking at verse 21, 
he was not justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar. So it wasn't the actual act of him doing it. It was that he believed God was going to provide, that God was going to, you know, give him provision to not have to, well, I personally believe he thought he was going to bring Isaac back is what I think he thought. But then when he actually got there and started to do it, uh, God provided the ram that was stuck in the bushes and he sacrificed that instead. So, and, and even in that, you could, you could argue that, you know, he didn't have it exactly right. I don't think he knew exactly what God was going to do, but he went and allowed God to show up and then was obedient when God showed him what he wanted. So how do you think that walk home went? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so mom, you will not believe what dad tried to do. <laughs> <laughs> He's a crazy person. Oh man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why don't they record that part of the story? I'm going to need to go see a counselor, but I don't think they exist yet. <laughs> Abraham believed, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. And then he talked about Rahab, right? Mm. Justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way, for as the body. So, and the other thing, too, is like, okay, Abraham, like father of the whole Jewish race, right? Kind of an important guy. And I'll, you know, if you're going to talk to a Jewish person about, you know, becoming a Christian, right? Like Abraham, kind of a big figure in the whole history of how this all went, right? But then literally you jump from him to a prostitute. Like the juxtaposition could not be more jarring. Mm -hmm. The father of the race and a hooker. Yeah. And not just that, but what she actually did was completely underhanded and she lied. And yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, her actions here are not like righteous actions other than she's doing them for the the men of God. And pretty much you could argue to save her own butt and her family. Mm -hmm. I mean, her motivation, I don't think was exactly pure either. (laughs) Well, no, yeah, that's probably fair to say, but it. I mean, the other option was turn them in, right? So, like, she did sure. the right thing by protecting God's people, but you're right. Yeah, like, one, she was a prostitute. Two, she lied. Three, she was saving her own skin, right? Yeah. But there was something in, like, she she, she realized that these were, like, men of God. Mm-hmm. I do think there was that element of, she wanted to be on the right side. Like she, she was like, I, I see this, that this God is who he says he is. And I, I want to be on his side. Mm-hmm. And I think that's again, right. Where that's why it was counted to her as righteousness. Yeah. She took action and did something right. And so yep. like, if we look at these two people and we look at all of the other people that God has worked through in scripture, like it's obvious. Like, there are glaring character flaws in all of us and yes. in all of them. And it's like you don't you don't see James picking out all of the bad choices they made. Mm-hmm. Right? Focusing on here are people who said they believed something and in these instances their works backed it up. And that's why God came through for them. 
in, in these instances, right? Mm-hmm. I guess my takeaway really from, from something like this is like, do the right thing. What I mean by that is when I'm presented an opportunity to do something that will back up what I say I believe, yeah. then that's the right thing to do. Oftentimes, too, that's not necessarily public decisions, right? That Maybe that's decisions made in private, actions taken mm-hmm. in private. But the idea of building consistency with my faith in my works, becoming more in lockstep with each other than just what I say I believe on a podcast and what I sing about at a church on Sunday versus what I do the rest of my week, right? And really starting to try and gain spiritual maturity in the choices that I make and in the actions that I take. And that's definitely a, a, uh, an area of in need of much progress in my life. Um, and so when I read a passage like this, it more so than the frustration I was feeling early, I actually do feel rather encouraged because I know I'm not perfect. Pretty much everybody else knows I'm not perfect, but that doesn't prevent me. Thanks to the goodness and grace and mercy and forgiveness of God, my imperfections don't prevent me from access to him yeah. through the Holy Spirit, through the word, through conversations with friends, through worship, through prayer, right? Through all of these things, like I'm not, I'm not uh, unable to be molded by God. I'm not unable to be changed. I'm not unable to grow because of my imperfections. I am, you, you say it all the time, God's a big God, right? In, he's he's active in our lives and it's just a matter of, you know, like for me, I think just paying attention, getting out of my own head and and looking for what God is doing and paying more attention to that and less attention to my, my wants and selfish desires and ambitions. Mm -hmm. Definitely true. Just as a quick note, Rahab and her story is in Joshua 2. Abraham can be found in primarily the teen the teens of Genesis. Yeah, I'll have I'll have links in the show notes to both of those stories so you guys can get a refresher if you would like. But yeah, then he just closes the end of the uh section with for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. And I think it's interesting, the correlation there. So if you take the, the correlation for as the body, faith, apart from the spirit, works. So it's like the works is mm-hmm. the spirit of the body of faith. So like if, mm-hmm. if our faith is what we live in, then the works is the spirit that animates that faith, that gives it life, that gives it its you know, mobility that gives its, its, its action. And I think that's pretty, uh, really smart and clever way for him to finish that argument, to compare it in that way. Yeah, absolutely. 
works is the life force of the body of faith. Because then, then that actually can extrapolate out to the church too, right? The church is the body of Christ, and if works is the spirit of that, then the, the body of Christ should be active and working in the, in the community that it's in. Mm-hmm. Man, smart dude. <laughs> Any closing thoughts, sir? Uh, you know, I guess my, my closing thought would just be that I would encourage folks to go out and do, go do something, um, that is a manifestation of your faith that you believe. Here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with it being a, a conscious effort. There's nothing wrong with it being a I'm going to go do something good for somebody else. I'm going to go do something that hopefully brings glory to God. I'm going to go do something that hopefully points another person towards Jesus. And I know that may not be the case. I'm going to completely rely on the Holy Spirit to make that happen, but I'm going to go do it. So, yeah, that's my thought. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm saying that to myself as well of just, there's plenty I could do during this time while people are stuck at home to not be so selfish and self-focused. Thanks for listening. Appreciate your time. If you want to get in touch, you can do so in by going to the show notes, supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 158, or if you're listening uh, on a phone or a tablet, they're there. Swipe around. You'll see them. There'll be links to Dave <laughs> and me and email and phone and all the ways to get in touch with us, really, if you want. If not, that's fine, too. We just appreciate you listening and hope you're doing okay. And uh, we will be back at some point in the near future with episode 159. But until then, farewell. Bye-bye. <laughs>